Well, welcome. I'm Tom. I'm pastor of small groups here at Rockbrook. And I just want to take a moment before we get started here to let you know that we're kicking off our small group signups this weekend. So back in, on the back of your outline, there's a little information about our small groups. But I'm really excited. Uh, we have 75 plus groups meeting. And our small groups meet, um, uh, it's groups of people that meet over the same interests, same passion, and people that want to meet and get together and to encourage each other to grow spiritually and, and encourage each other to grow for God's purposes in their life. And so we have adult groups, we have teen groups, we have kids groups starting. And they, like I said, meet around a shared interest, you know, like uh, maybe physical fitness. Or we have life groups that these are groups of people and they continue to meet every semester together and they just do life together. You know, they're raising kids together. They're just celebrating life together. And then we have target groups and target groups uh, focus on a, a specific area of spiritual growth, maybe like Celebrate Recovery or um, Financial Peace University. But we believe that spiritual growth happens in the context of relationships. We believe that God created a family called the church, and we want you to be connected to his family, and we do that here through small groups. And then there is a small group that's meeting this semester that needs you. You matter. God created you for his purposes, and God wants to use you to help somebody else to grow in their faith. And it's real easy. All you have to do is just find a group, and you can do that by going to the small group table. We have uh, the list of our small groups, or you can go to rockbrook.org. And then next, uh, on those lists or online, you'll see their contact information of the leader. And so you just contact the leader, ask them questions about their group, when they're starting, where they meet, how much, those types of things. And then the last step's real easy. All you got to do is commit to showing up. But our groups are going to start on September 4th or after, and that depends on the small group leader. We let them decide. Uh, we just ask them to start on or after uh, September 4th. But if you can't find a group, I want to encourage you to start your own small group. Group with people you're already grouping with. I mean, you have friends, you have family, you have neighbors, co-workers, and maybe you group on a regular basis. How about just saying, hey, let's do a study together. And I can help you to do that. We have studies. And if you want to do that, you go to Growth Track 101 through 301. And then at 401 Dream Team Training, you show up for small group leader training. And I'll be there and my team will train you and we'll assign you a support coach. And, uh, but Rockbrook is a church of small groups and we want to get you connected in a small group one way or another. So we hope that you'll check that out this semester. But as we get started here, we are in part eight of nine of our James series. We're getting ready to uh, end this series, kind of land the plane, and uh, we've got a lot of great responses from everybody. Um, this has been a really great series, a really challenging series, and if you've missed any of these, you can go back to the information table. We have CDs back there. You can go to rockbrook.org, hear the, the messages online, or you can go to our podcast uh, on iTunes. But I also want to remind you that next week, Pastor Buddy Owens from Saddleback Church is going to wrap up this series on prayer. You're not going to want to miss this. In fact, I would encourage you, this is a great time to invite somebody to come to Rockbrook Church when there's a guest speaker, okay? Because you can invite them, say, hey, we got this great guest speaker coming. And then if Pastor Buddy doesn't pull through, you can say, well, hey, come back and see our pastors. They're better than him. So invite somebody to come. But this series has been a challenging series, and, this, and today's message is no different. 
Uh, but our message today is titled, The Life God Rewards. We want you to live the life God, re- God rewards, and we believe that James shows us how to do that. So we're going to look at James chapter 5. We're going to start out looking at verses 1 through 6, and then we'll transition into verses 7 through 12, and we'll dive into those. But I'm going to start out reading James 5, 1 through 6. Uh, and uh, this, in my Bible, the NIV Bible, it's, it's titled Rich Oppressors. And the verses are up there on the screen. But James starts out and he writes, Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and the moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. So here's what's going on in the New Testament. You did not have a middle class. You were either rich or you were poor, and James is addressing a major problem in his day. It was rich people, rich people oppressing the poor. These rich people were using their influence and their affluence to get wealthier. But I need you to do something with me here, because right out of the gates, there's something we have to get right in our minds. And we have to fight this urge to think that being rich or having riches is a bad thing. No, in fact, I think in these first six verses are not so much about being rich or having riches. It's about your attitude. It's about a heart issue. And there are many people in the Bible that were wealthy. In fact, there are people in the Bible that God blessed and made them wealthy. But for our time together, I'm not going to talk about wealth. But I do think we can learn from these what we can learn from these rich oppressors is that if we begin to love our stuff, if we begin to love our riches, we can turn into some real ugly people. And maybe you know someone that is using their wealth or their position to manipulate people. Maybe an employer, a supervisor, or a manager threatens to take away part of your wage. Or maybe they dangle a, a pay raise in front of you and, and th- never to give it. But maybe, the, maybe a spouse manages the finances in the home, and they use that power, that position of managing those, uh, those, uh, your finances, and they use it to get what they want or to get even. Or maybe a parent uses uh, uh, allowance, a car, food, or toys uh, to manipulate a child. And I'm not talking about discipline here. I'm talking about, you know, maybe, maybe mom says, hey, um, I'll, buy, I'll buy you some fast food. I'll take you where you want if you don't tell dad we went shopping today. You know, or, or maybe this, maybe, maybe, hey, if, don't tell mom I was, looking, I was talking to that lady or I'll take your allowance away from you. Or maybe a parent dangles a will in front of their children to manipulate their children. We can see that in our day and time. But in this letter, James is addressing poor believers the ones being oppressed by the rich. This is a major issue, oppression from the rich. So what what can we learn? How does James handle this oppression? If we're going to live a life that God rewards, we need to live a life of compassion. James does not call for for the poor people to rise up and revolt. He doesn't tell them to stop working and throw up a picket. 
He doesn't tell them all is lost and the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. James, in these first six verses, has compassion for his fellow believers. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't think for a minute that all there is to Christian compassion is the idea of writing a letter or talking about it or sending a tweet out. Okay, can we agree on that? But I do believe that James gives us a place to start, and that's what I want to talk about. Here are some very practical ways James shows compassion. To live a life of compassion, we need to get angry about injustice. Get angry about injustice. James says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. You know, James just lets it rip right here. And he says it's okay to get angry about the things that God gets angry about. And God gets angry about oppression. He gets angry about injustice. He gets angry about bad behavior. Even the Apostle Paul, he said in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, this is what we got to be careful with about our anger. We can't let our anger consume us and burn like a fire. Paul says you've got to let it go. And most importantly, you can't take it out on somebody. And remember, James said, slow to anger. James 1.19, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. James doesn't say don't get angry. He couldn't after writing these, writing these first six verses. We can get angry. We can get upset with injustice. And James is writing to the poor believers, and we've established that over and over, that the book of James is written to believers. And this is really important as I was going through this, because there's probably a slim chance that a rich oppressor is going to read this letter. And in fact, are they even going to care what James has to say about them? I seriously doubt it. So why does James say anything at all? I believe that James wants those that he is writing to to know that he understands. And he's mad right along with them. He says this isn't right. And James also shows compassion by acknowledging specific oppression they are going through. And that's what we need to do. We need to acknowledge the injustice. We need to acknowledge the injustice. And I think sometimes we get paralyzed as believers and we think, you know, when we see an injustice, we think, what can I do about this? You know, the problem is way out of my control. I have no power over this situation. But I think a great practice in showing compassion is just to come alongside someone, that person that's being oppressed or going through a hardship. Just, and just letting them know that you see what's happening. Don't just say, I'm sorry you're hurt. I'm sorry you're upset. You know, when you acknowledge specifics, when you spell it out, man, that can go a long ways. Just the simple fact that someone noticed me, and not only did they notice me, they know exactly what I'm going through. You know, what would happen if you did that for your fellow employee? your child, your sibling, your parent, or a friend. You know, that kind of compassion can help somebody find freedom. That can be a very easy step. And James says to his readers, I know they have failed to pay 
you your wages. I know they have hoarded their wealth and are living like fat cats. I know they have condemned and murdered innocent men. James writes them and says, I see what's happening. I know exactly what's happening. But he also reminds his readers, the Lord knows what's happening. Verse 4, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. God hears and God sees all of the injustice that's going on in the world. And he's going to do something about it. And that's called the second coming. And that's our hope as believers, that Jesus is coming back and he's going to make everything right. And when he does, watch out. And that's what James is about to remind his readers as we transition to James 5, verses 7 through 12. Let's take a look at this. In my Bible, it's entitled Patience and Suffering. It's up there on the screen. James says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we considered blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. So if we're going to live a life that God rewards, we need to live a life of compassion. If we're going to live a life of that God rewards, we need to live a life of faith that endures. And James is going, going to encourage these believers to hold on to their faith. And I can totally relate to this as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, a co-worker, a pastor in this church, a missionary to India, the Philippines, to Guatemala, as a small group leader. When you step into the lives of people that are being oppressed, that are facing hardship, Man, you want to give up. You want to throw in the towel. And we have to have a faith that endures. And the number one way to live a life of faith that endures in an unjust world is to fix your eyes on the fact that Jesus is coming. And we need to encourage others to do the same. That's what James does here. James says in verse 7 and 8, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So how do you live a life that endures? The Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. We need to fix our lives on that truth. And my son Jake, he joined the Air Force back in April and he went through... Uh, basic training, or what most of you, you would know as boot camp. The different services call it different things. But this was his first time of being away from us that long. Uh, he went knowing nobody. He didn't have any of his youth group buddies around uh, when he went. The only time that he had been away from us that long is on a youth group trip or with us as a family. And he's now finished his tech school training, and he's been with us for about a week, and he's going to uh, leave us in about another week, and he'll be stationed in England. 
But the other day, I asked him what kept him motivated, you know, despite all the unknowns, all the yelling, all the screaming from his MTs. And uh, he said, I just focused on getting to see my family at graduation. Man, what if we as believers, you know, we're going to be oppressed, see injustice, go through hardship. We're gonna, we are. We have to stay focused on Jesus. The Lord's coming. One of these days, this Christian boot camp that we're going through, it's going to be over. And Jesus is going to be at our graduation. James tells us the Lord is coming. And Jesus said in John 16, Now, right before these verses, he has just told his disciples, you are going to face many hardships. In fact, you guys are going to be scattered abroad. And then he says this to him, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Look, the world is full of trouble and we have the hope that people are looking for. And that hope is Jesus. And not only that he died on the cross, but he is coming back and he's going to make everything right. Next, How do you live a life that endures? James tells us we have to be patient. Verse 10, brothers, as an example of patience, in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. James says over and over, in just these few verses, verses 7, 8, and 10, be patient. He uses farming and the testimony of the prophets to encourage patience. Now, farming takes a lot of patience. You know, as a farmer... Uh, you stick that seed in the ground, and then, it, and then you've got to just endure the weather patterns, insects, the soil condition. All of that is out of your control, and you just have to be patient until the harvest. And then the prophets were commanded by God to go into some really harsh environments. They would speak on behalf of God to some very powerful people, like kings and prophets and groups of people. And typically, they were delivering some not-so-good news. And these kings, these priests, and these these people would more often than not run them out of town, mock them, imprison them, stone them, and kill them. But these prophets had patience. They had fixed their eyes on God, and they endured. Now, here is the good news. I doubt anyone here is going to be ran out of town, mocked, imprisoned, were killed. So I want to encourage you to be patient in your suffering. And I know this isn't easy. You know, when I'm going through some real uncomfortable situations, and when I'm going through a hardship, I am done. I want out. I get impatient. But what happens when we get impatient? What happens when we feel like we're backed into a corner and we, we lose focus on Jesus and we start to look at our circumstances. I'll tell you what happens. We go berserk. And that's what James says here in verse 9. He says, don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. You know, if we're not on guard, when we are faced with oppression and hardship, and we lose our focus on Jesus, we begin to lash out. We lash out at our allies and those that we love. We've all done it. You know, when we're frustrated, we get mad. You know, when somebody at work is a jerk, we come home, we kick the dog, we blame the wife for everything, and we start to yell at the kids. 
And James says that makes you no better than the one that's oppressing. You will be judged. Here's what else happens when we take our eyes off Jesus and lose our patience. James says, we swear. James verse 12, above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. You, you know, when you are frustrated, do you throw God's name under the bus like he's the problem? You'll be held accountable for that. You know, we all cheer when the rich oppressors getting chewed out by James, but James says, watch out. Don't become the person that nobody wants to be around. James tells us our response should be, yes, dear, no, dear. Yeah, right, you know what I'm talking about. My wife said, preach it. But believers ought to be known as a person of peace in an unjust world, a person that can bring hope to a hopeless situation. So my fellow brothers in Christ, you know, we want to be men of valor. We want to be warriors. We want to be survivalists. You know, that's the big thing now. But what if we fought for peace in our homes by being a little more patient? What if we helped our families survive by becoming life-giving instead of sucking the life out of those that we love. James calls us to a higher standard. And guys, we need to live, we need to lead the way on this. God's word calls us men to a higher standard. You know, you've heard me say this a lot. I want to be a godly husband, a godly father, and a godly man that God has called me to be. And that's my prayer for you. And I would ask that you would pray that for me. I will admit I blow this often. I don't get this right. Sometimes when my wife is frustrated, you want to know what I do? Instead of showing compassion and instead of enduring the situation with her, I get upset. I get upset at her for just being upset, and she's not even upset with me. It's crazy. But we need to be patient. We need to be patient with one another and remember the Lord is coming. 2 Peter 3, 8 through 10. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, here's something I've come to understand recently as, as I've been reading through my one-year Bible plan, is that God blesses the person that endures. Great men and women of the faith have blown it, and some of them have faced some major hardships in their faith journey, but they never gave up. They never gave up their faith in God. They persevered. They endured until they died. And let this one this one last point here bring you hope. A life of compassion and a life of faith that endures is a life God rewards. James 11, as you know, we considered blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. Circle blessed there in James 11. I want to tell you about Job. Job played in the Super Bowl of suffering, and he won. He was the wealthiest man that ever lived. He had everything going for him, and then in a two-day period, 
everything fell apart. He went bankrupt. His children were murdered. He got a terrible disease that caused him great pain. He lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost his wealth. He lost everything. And the Bible tells us that one day Job's wife comes to him and says, curse God and die. There you go. See what happens when we take our eyes off God? Instead of showing a little compassion, encouraging Job to endure, she swears and she says, curse God and die. And the worst part of Job's suffering is that he had no idea why this was happening. In the first 37 chapters of Job, God says nothing. Job has no idea why this is happening. Of all people, Job had the right to say, why me? You know, a lot of things in life just don't make sense. And most of it will never understand this side of heaven. Job didn't understand it all. But in all of those unexplained problems, Job never gave up his faith. He endured. He persevered until the end. And what happened as a result of that? God blessed him. Let's look at Job 42, starting with verse 10. It says, The Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 team of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job. And their father put them in his will along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died an old man who had lived a long, full life. Now that's a life God rewards for for a person who endures. Now let's go back to James verse 11. The end of that verse, it says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Now when Christians say Jesus is the good news, This is good news. Jesus not only hears and sees our oppression and hardship, Jesus experienced it firsthand. Jesus is coming. Jesus is full of compassion and mercy. You know, I gave my life to Jesus Christ in May of 1996, and I'm here to tell you that I've blown it many times, and I have faced hardship, but I'm not giving up. My faith is going to endure, and God is blessing me. And like James, I want to encourage you to live a life of compassion. Live a life of faith that endures. I want you to be blessed. Let's look at this verse, 2 Timothy 4.8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That's us. The Lord is coming. Be patient. Show compassion and endure. Revelations 3.11 I am coming soon, says the Lord. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. 
Don't lose focus. Jesus is coming. Don't get impatient. Don't swear. If you want to live a life that God blesses, live a life of compassion. Get angry at injustice. Acknowledge injustice. Live a life that endures. Remember, the Lord is coming. Be patient, and God will reward you. Maybe you're here today, and you just feel like, man, life is oppressing you. That's how I felt before I became a believer. I just constantly felt that there was just this weight bearing down on me. Everything was a constant struggle. My relationships, my marriage, raising kids, my job. I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was this weight. And I want to encourage you to do what I did. I want you to ask Jesus to come into your life. I want you to trust Jesus. Admit you've blown it. Admit you need help. And ask him to take that weight away. And he'll do it. Give Jesus your life. Don't just believe in him. Surrender to him. And maybe you are like me now. You know, here I am 20 years later. And maybe you're a believer and you're struggling. I just came out of a season of that. It was about a year and a half. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And there was this weight. And I had people praying for me. And I want to encourage you. Ask God to search your heart. Ask him to reveal the sin. Confess that sin. And praise God for his compassion and his mercy. And he will heal you. I promise you. He did me. I'm free. Let's pray together. Lord, right here, right now, we praise you and thank you for your mercy and your compassion. Lord, forgive us for our lack of compassion for those that are, that are oppressed, losing our focus on you. Lord, open our eyes to see those around us that are facing hardships. Use us to be a breath of fresh air to them. Lord, give us the power to be patient and control our mouth when we are frustrated. Give us strength patience, and a faith that endures to the end. God, we want to live a life of compassion and a life of faith that endures. We want your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.